Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. Lord, we thank you for for your word. And uh, Lord, as it shapes us, I pray, God, uh, that your spirit would move and uh, continue to reveal more of who, who you are, the power that you bring, and also uh, what it means to live in, in the in-between. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, hanging inside of our house is uh, this. It's a picture frame uh, that has the words, never underestimate the power of hope. It's located in our family room, and it just so happened on one day, I, I noticed it. Not because I'm completely oblivious, but like my wife was doing some decorating and getting creative, and, uh, and she uh, put this thing together. And I was like, huh, it's kind of cute. It's nice. And I like the statement, right? Never underestimate the power of hope. It seems like a good statement. I don't think it's in the Bible. And so I asked Gretchen, I was like, I just got to know, like, where in the world does this come from? And she told me that it comes from the story of this girl, Ava Sherbandi. Ava, in uh, in August of 2019, was a healthy, strong, full of energy girl. Uh, Seven and a half years old at the time, she comes from a beautiful family. Her dad is a pastor, her mom is an artist, and she is filled with all kinds of energy, lives in Wisconsin. And Gretchen had stumbled across this story on an Instagram post of what happened in August of 2019. Because what happened was that Ava was playing with their neighbors, their best friends. And they were having a typical time of of playing and their, their neighbors were best friends with their parents and there was a lot of trust between the families. And the neighbors had a golf cart and they were just playing around and doing things that they had done hundreds of times before. But in August of 2019, Ava got on that golf cart and minutes later, her mom, Lindsay, had received a phone call that no parent would want to receive. Because what happened was Ava fell out of that golf cart, hitting her head, having this severe traumatic brain injury. And she would never be the same. Now, to this day, in 2021, Ava is fighting. She's awake, she's smiling, She's moving all of her limbs, but she's nowhere near what you see on this photo right here. And on uh, Lindsay's website, you can read the story of Lindsay's letters, she writes this in her blog saying these words and feel the weight of these words. She says, sometimes in my worst moments, I wonder why God had her so close and didn't just keep her there with him where she was safe and could dance and sing and be pain-free forever. 
That part, I think, angers me more than the fact that the accident happened at all. It feels like God swooped in and saved her, but only kind of. When you read these words, when I read these words, and when I heard this story, it feels very awkward, very heavy. But her mom, as she writes in this blog, and where my wife got this picture from, finishes with these words. But never underestimate the power of hope. Because these are words that Ava's parents are clinging and holding on to. And today my hope is, as we continue this series called Three Days That that Shape a Life, I hope that we will find that these words have power and are words that we need to cling on to as well. Last week we talked about this concept of how uh, three days that shape a life, looking at the life of Jesus, these last three days of his life, thousands of years ago, And on a Friday, thousands of years ago, Jesus became the most evil for us. It wasn't that he did evil or that he did sin, but he took on all of our sin for us, becoming the most evil. And as he hung from that cross, he chose to be there for us, and he was faithful in the face of trial. And then this next day, we see on a Saturday, it's this in-between time, and the reality is, is it's kind of awkward. I mean, imagine if you were there on that Friday, and you saw this man who was crucified, and now you are waiting. Because the truth is, for you and me, that when we hear the story of Ava, you feel that pain. You couldn't imagine being that parent who hears those words, and there is this longing for something better. And maybe you haven't had this traumatic of an experience, but we all will have one at some point in time. It may be that you experience the death of someone that you love. It may be that when you're disappointed by a friend who let you down, it may be when the cards just seem to be stacked up against you. We have this feeling, this awkwardness. And so we have to cling to these words in the in-between. Thousands of years ago on a Saturday, that we should never underestimate the power of hope. Because when we look back thousands of years ago at the life of Jesus, we see on this Saturday there was this day that, that Jesus and all of our understanding seemed to be laying dead. Which reminds me of a quote by a guy named Anselm. He was uh, a famous theologian uh, in the medieval times, and he said these words, faith seeking understanding. And they seem like, okay, what in the world does that mean? Thanks for the brilliant thought, Anselm. This is why he never read people from back then. It's a really beautiful thought. What he's saying here is something that is so powerful that we need to understand. What he is saying is that that faith and hope isn't something that arises after moments of understanding, but rather faith and hope is something that you cling to when understanding and reason lay dead. 
What Anselm was saying is something that translates into our culture here today. We don't believe once we understand it because there are going to be things that we cannot understand. But we believe in order to understand. And this is found throughout the scriptures. There's all kinds of stories that you see of where these people who are following God's calling, following God in the midst of trial and difficulty, not to find complete understanding, but because it's the only thing that they can hold on to. And one of the characters I want you to see from the scriptures that we find in all four of the gospels is this guy, Joseph of Arimathea who's known as the one who actually takes Jesus from the cross. It's this beautiful story, and I want you to see in his life, this character, in four different perspectives of what it must have felt like to be in the awkwardness of the Saturday and how he would cling and hold on to hope. Notice in Matthew 27, we uh, heard these words. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea, this is actually uh, the first appearance of him in Matthew's text. Towards the end of his life, what's going on, if you're not understanding the context here, is that Jesus is hanging from the cross. And, and this guy, Joseph, shows up, and what we learn of him is that he's rich. Good person to know, right? Maybe he has a boat. Oh, well, we don't know, all right? We don't know much about him outside of the fact that he's a rich man and that he is a disciple of Jesus. But Luke, another writer of this, of the gospel, says this about Joseph of Arimathea in Luke 23, verse 50 through 51, that he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. Notice the, the more color that we get of Joseph here, that he was a righteous and good man. He was one who sought out justice. He wanted right things to be done in this world. And also that he was a member of the council. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, the metaphor that would make sense for us today is that he is like a part of the school board. He has a vote that people would hear, but the vote that he had, as we see that Luke says here in Luke 23, is that he had not consented to their decision and action. What are they talking about? Well, when Jesus was on trial, Joseph said, I don't agree with that decision. And we also read here that Joseph was a man who was looking for the kingdom of God. Man, I pray that if someday somebody were to describe me, I would love for somebody to say that. That I was somebody that was looking for the kingdom of God. And especially in that moment, as Jesus is hanging from the cross, he still is looking for the kingdom of God. John gives us some more color here. It says in John 19 of this time, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. I mean, following Jesus and standing up for him in this moment was not a popular move. Remember, he didn't agree with their decision, but the crowds had overpowered. And so here we see that Joseph 
asks for permission in that next verse, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away the body. Do you hear what's going on here? He is secretly following Jesus, but now he's going to Pilate, the one who's in charge, and very publicly is saying, can I have his body? As he is seeking out the kingdom of God. And to go back to Matthew 27, I love this little detail about Joseph. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a linen shroud, and laid it in his own new tomb. He takes the body of Jesus from the cross. He doesn't just throw it somewhere. He says, no, this is going to go in my place, in my spot. And it's incredible that in this awkward moment, this awkward Saturday, on a Friday when Jesus dies and before this resurrection, Joseph is seeking the kingdom of God. And he places Jesus in his own tomb. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of that poem, uh, The Footprints Poem. Has anybody ever read that before? You heard it? Maybe it's hanging in your house somewhere, right? Um, if you don't know this poem, it goes like this. It's not a, a biblical story, but uh, the, the poem goes like this. There's a, there's a person, they're reflecting on their life, and they're walking on the beach with Jesus, all right? Uh, and as they are walking on this beach, they, they notice that as you walk on sand, that there are footprints that come from behind you. And in the uh, middle of these, this conversation with Jesus and reflecting on their life, they, they talk about the good times and the bad times. And as they look back, they're like, uh, the person says, that there were at times it appears that there was only one set of footprints. What was going on there? Anybody know the end of this, right? Is that like Jesus speaks up and he goes, well, when the, the bad moments were happening, you weren't walking, but I was carrying you, right? It's a beautiful poem. And I don't want to ruin it for you here, but what's so strange about this moment for Joseph of Arimathea, what's so strange about the awkwardness of this Saturday is that Joseph is carrying Jesus. He's the one that has taken God off of the cross. And this is a dark moment. Literally the opposite. Risking his reputation, risking his comfort, literally in carrying the body of Jesus, but politically and socially as well. And giving up his own grave for Jesus. Now, I believe that God is the one who carries us. And I believe, as the Footprints poem talks about, that, that we should look to him in the midst of our struggle and in our moment. But sometimes, faith and hope can be so hard that it gives this illusion or appearance that we're carrying Jesus. If we were to be very honest, when we go through pain and struggle, it feels incredibly heavy. That when we have nowhere else to turn, except hope, because Saturday is awkward. But when it's awkward and silent, these are the moments that we're called to cling, to hope, to hold on to Jesus. 
Because when I read this story of Joseph of Arimathea, what I see is, is that you and I are Joseph. Saying, God, I need you to take my place. God, I need you to be the definition of who I am. God, I need you to be the one. And as we experience pandemics and job changes and friends who disappoint us and systems that oppress, we need a God who can bring hope when it's awkward. Hope when it's challenging. And we, as people, need to be ones who are looking for the kingdom of God. Clinging to hope. Because what we get in the story of Jesus and what we get on this Saturday thousands of years ago is an awkward moment. But what we have is a God who promises to be faithful and present and provide hope when struggle is here. And so, inside of our house, every single time I leave, is this picture frame that says, never underestimate the power of hope. And it's cute, but it's a powerful reminder of something that I need to hear every single day. And when I look at this picture frame, I think of Ava. I think of that beautiful seven and a half year old girl that her life changed but she clings and holds on to hope. And when I look at that picture frame, I think of the story of Joseph of Arimathea, who had this appearance that he was carrying Jesus from the cross in a very awkward moment, but the truth is, is that he would be carried the next day. And I think of the story of Jesus, his resurrection, and the hope that does come Because he will not remain in the tomb. He will rise again from the dead. And it makes me think, though, that as we think about this Saturday, and the awkwardness that maybe comes with that, we need to never underestimate the power of hope. Because the reality is, is that as we live in this world, there will be seasons and times where it feels like we are waiting. We're in the struggle, wondering, God, what is happening and why is this going on? But never underestimate the power of hope. So, you've probably already figured out what's coming next week. Sunday. It's a beautiful day. It is the reason that we celebrate. It's the reason that we worship. And it is good news because, of course, we look back thousands of years ago and we see it through the lens that Jesus will rise from the dead. But it kind of gives me this thought, though, of that uh, any, anybody like, fan, uh, like a fan of like scary movies, horror movies, or anything like that here? All right. Um, only like two of you. Okay, maybe this won't land. Yeah, they're in the same household. All right. Um, There's such a difference between watching a scary movie for the first time and watching it a second time. Right? 
I mean, most of you don't watch scary movies, apparently, all right? Uh, but let me explain this to you, that the first time you watch a scary movie, you're like the person on the left here, right? Like, oh no, why is the music changing? What is that person doing? How dumb are they? What's going on, right? And you're fearful of all that is there. But when you know the end, when you know how that movie ends, you're like the person that's on the right there. That you can look at the face of the worst things in this world and you can muster those words that I will never underestimate. The power of hope that comes through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. So be here next week because it's going to be beautiful and fun to celebrate once again what our God is doing and how it shapes our lives. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your grace, your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the story of Joseph of Arimathea. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who leans in to those difficult seasons and times, one that acknowledges brokenness in this world, but does not just stay away. You conquer sin, death, and the devil by your resurrection. So God, I pray that as we live in these awkward Saturday moments, ones that bring all kinds of big questions and anxieties and fears, I pray, God, that we would sit in them but be reminded that we have hope that cannot be underestimated, hope that promises for resurrection. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.